episode 10? No, you have to go on Patreon to hear episode 10. This is episode 11. Already. Dingers. Episode 11. Cool. Hopefully we've been of use to you listeners in constructing your dynasty team, whether it be a startup, takeover, or your very own pre-existing setup. We are headed both behind the plate, where you basically can only lose value, and in the next episode, to the bullpen, where you can take a less than stellar SP crew and boost the stat lines all the way to a championship. Ready? It's time for dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Jorge Solar that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs again. Joining me tonight, Robbie Baseball. Good evening, Tyler. Robbie, what do you got going for beers tonight? Uh, tonight I just went, as I'm going to call it generic, I have a Coors banquet cause I, I've been busy with life and I haven't got to go and have a leisurely stroll at the control board of Ontario yet. So, you know, since we're doing catchers and they have no real value, I went Bud Light. <laughs> so I, I went straight after them. That's, all That's great. I could have picked something fancy, but they don't deserve it. So Bud Light for me tonight. I saw um, a photo or something that somebody had put up about um, PC beer that they had seen, like the no-name no beer, which, you know, for the non-Canadian listeners, um, President's Choice or PC as a huge product line. They have generic, uh, they have like high-grade stuff, whatever, but now they're starting to loosen the wheels a little bit on where you can get alcohol. So a couple of grocery stores have it in Ontario. And this is a, now a new line of beer that came out, which I just thought was hilarious. It's, it's just a big yellow label, black, bold print, no name. And it says beer on it. Like dirty. Yeah. <laughs> if you could rip the label off, that would be what this catcher conversation is worthy of. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the catcher conversation is dented cans on discount. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, that's where we're at today. As you can tell, we, we love the catcher position. Oh my God. Um, yes. It has, no value to either of us and i mean we always kind of joke in in the drafts we have been in together we're just kind of like when are you gonna draft a catcher never <laughs> you know so yeah. I, I made a point of doing it in the last round in two, my last two drafts or sorry two of my last three and i accidentally in that big old auction league that i was in last week um i was posting catchers trying to get people to hit and i accidentally put a two dollar and fifty cent bid instead of a two dollar bid on um Jonathan Lucroy and I won him and I thought you know what for 250 I could do a lot worse yeah I, I don't know if he plays like he did last year I don't know that you can right it's it's two dollars and fifty cents of my own money so I'll just throw that away and then I'll have to go buy more cheap beer <laughs> yeah that's right yeah you'll be forced into that PC label beer for <laughs> exactly yeah it won't be an option Who's <laughs> banquet will that be a luxury I can't afford <laughs> so yeah I mean that's that's the funny thing I always end up with Yaddy somehow 
uh, whether I draft him straight up or or I make a a non you know non destructive trade to get him in season. I mean, it's one of those things that um, I know what I get with him. I like the safe option; doesn't strike out a lot, it gives you some batting average and counts some stats a little bit. So, um, you know that that's that's where I try to live. But uh, you know, heading into this week, we do have a Tommy John train update and. Uh, uh... That's my very unenthusiastic uh, horn. Well, is that is that because this particular individual was a topic in our last episode, and we specifically spoke about his injury history, and someone on this side of the microphone said, you shouldn't buy, and you were a little more optimistic. So um, not that I'm going to rub your face in it at all, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah, I did have Heaney as my number 42 SP. I'm staring at his name highlighted from the episode notes, and I'm looking at several of the names that are uh, behind him thinking, well, I guess it's time for a drop, my boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he had a scare. I, I would I think if it was like 10 days ago or something, and then he came back and he threw and he threw in a game and everything was cool. And then sure enough, boom, shut down indefinitely. So Dynasty format, it's not a, he's, you know, dead to you, but uh, redraft, do not touch him. And if it's points or whatever, you just got to wait and find out what the news is going to be for him. He's not old. Um, he, I think it's 27, 28. So he definitely has some poss- you know, possibility of coming back this year yeah. and producing, but it's just, my goodness. And at this point, he's one of those guys that you, you are only going to buy late in a draft if you can't decide on somebody else in my opinion yeah if you're not prepared and yeah. and he's somebody that you might be like well i'll take a chance on him yeah i don't i don't mind that pickup in certain positions i mean you know we talked about it last week like the talent's there it's just a matter of he can't stay on the field long enough and we'll have to find out exactly what it is that's going to keep him off this time if it's uh shoulder and um at that point it's probably going to be a drop definitely off the top 75 definitely but anyway, so moving into the, the best shape of his life update, which is uh, my current uh, Twitter favorite page. I don't understand how they only have 210 followers. It is at B-S-O-H-L tracker, and they deserve your attention. Um, now, they, they did uh, most recently. Yeah, was it most recently? Oh, no, I guess it was a little bit ago now. Uh, George Springer was their last update. I wonder if they've abandoned their page. Oh, my goodness. Your life is, is changing right now. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't realize that that it was it was dated that back, but yeah, because I I see now that you Darvish was the previous one, which was when we last discussed it. George Springer down twelve pounds and wants to play the season at the last year's playoff weight. Um, yeah, maybe I'm gonna have to find somewhere else to get my best shape of their life stuff. Well, that might be a disappointing development for us. Yeah, that's that's definitely a sad day in the in the Twitter world, but it won't be the the uh the worst thing because now all of their followers will head over to dingers pod on twitter that's at dingers pod on twitter and and by all means chime in i mean we're we're trying to uh stir the pot i mean robbie robbie was barking up the fan tracks tree this week um you know getting their attention calling out points or roto leagues for what it is um you know i i didn't see any comment in that thread from ronnie um, nope. just, I even took a screenshot and sent it to him just so that he could see I was I was making a burn on Roto uh, for fun and um, you know a very well renowned 
best-selling author, Joe P. Sapia, who does the fantasy black book um, for multiple sports, but baseball as well. Um, he said, hundred percent agree. He, he loved, he loves what dingers has to say. <laughs> well, and I mean, the reality is too, you know, Ronnie probably looked at it, thought about it and then just left it for the full season. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until late September and then we're going to talk about this. Yeah, we're not going to touch the roster or the, any decision-making between now and the end of the season so that we can determine who the true champion is. <laughs> Ridiculous statements coming out of Roto Leagues everywhere these days. <laughs> Sorry, Ronnie. Well, I, I mean, he did call you his shower buddy last week, which I thought was obviously very disturbing. Um, and I think that was just in a private chat. <laughs> so, so, Ronnie, good morning. How you yeah. doing? How's that shower going there, Sudsy? You got the conditioner going? <laughs> Don't forget it. Keep, keep that scalp nice and moist. So that anyway. way you can maybe take in some information here. Yeah, before this gets too, too weird, let's, let's dive into catchers. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we, we've talked about it already in terms of how we feel. Uh, we don't feel there's a ton of value at the catcher position. And quite frankly, to get the top tier guys, you got to buy way too early to justify the value um, of drafting other positions. So, you know, I think diving into the number one, I think we can all tend to agree. It's really one of three, maybe potential guys, but more likely it's JT Riomoto, um from an offensive standpoint. I think he's the guy, number one. Um, you know, we're not really going to go through ranks, but I think it's safe to say uh, he, he's top of the food chain. Do you, do you see anybody else even challenging that, Rob? I mean, a year ago it was Sanchez, and he had the most disgusting year imaginable. And I decided to try something different last year, and I went out and I tried to acquire him in a few leagues. I was fortunate to only get him in one. I did pay a hefty price. Uh, with draft pick compensation and at the end of the year I was left thinking what could I have done with those picks and that player I gave up Jonathan Shope so that was that was no loss on his end or on my end for that but at the same time if you think to yourself I'm going to go get me some real Muto because he's the real deal and things are going to be great he is 28 last year Sanchez was playing in his age 26 year I think 25 26 and he had the dip there's nothing to say that you're going to get amazing value for a long period of time out of either of those guys. And uh, Wilson Contreras was the third of that kind of trio of upper echelon guys. And I mean, he's, he's fine, but that's I mean, what it is. For me, I, I think you can buy a little low on, on Sanchez and Contreras. I think you're overpaying for Riamoto this year. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. You know, I think that's a fact. Uh, I just dealt him in our 14 teamer last week. Yeah. Uh, saw that. Got some draft pick compensation, which desperately needed. Um, so, you know, ultimately I'm just, I'll always trade my catchers. If anybody ever wants a catcher, give me a call. Um, you know, but I, I, for me, the guy I'd be targeting in the, in that group is, is Contreras. I think he has yet to truly get to his peak as an offensive player. Whereas I think the other two have at least showcased their high end ability. Um, Sanchez might have a couple big home run years left in the tank, but that's really the only significant value I think he brings I don't disagree about yeah like we haven't seen a peak of Contreras at this point in time and and Sanchez's peak was obviously crazy and that would be great to get 80% of that back he was so bad last year that I think it's kind of like Greg Bird scenario everybody just thinks well he can't be this bad permanently that can't be who he is 
then you've got like Austin Romine who is catching and doing a good job of stopping the ball behind the plate. And Sanchez is now struggling with that. So if anybody has a ball with movement, which luckily the, the Yankees pen sucks, oh wait, then maybe you're going to see Sanchez start to lose at bats later in the game just to try to protect the ball because they don't want loose balls. And so we're, we're going to have to kind of play this by ear. And it's so bad to say there are this many flaws and that the number two player on a dynasty rank had a 189 batting average last year because you're just, you're just wanting so bad to see that improvement. Um, and then popping back kind of into that, that next tier that we had discussed is, you know, there's Buster Posey. He feels like such an old man. It's funny when you look, I, I put the ages beside everybody today to make it a little bit um, more realistic for us to see. Uh, Buster Posey's 32. Like he's not old. He's just been around for a long time. And he definitely is, is no longer going to provide you peak value, but he could also pick up first base eligibility if he doesn't already have it for you, which if you put him in as a first baseman, he's not top 15. He's not top, probably not top 20, depending on your format. And that's kind of the thing with the catchers. If you took generic stats and threw them into any other position, excuse me, I'm almost throwing up in my mouth talking about catchers like this. <laughs> you, you just don't see any catcher providing you an above average top five kind of value at this moment in time so Posey Granadal Molina and Ramos as well as Cervelli for me now I know you don't have them there Ty I've got Cervelli at eight I look at a lot of past production and the fact that Cervelli basically limits your damage and one thing that I do like about catchers is if they play roughly four out of seven days of the week they're not going to be getting at bats all the time you don't want some big bopper who's going to strike out all the time um a lot of these guys in the middle here, Grandal might might have the highest potential for you. Um, he is 30 years old. He just got traded to a team that should excel and have lots of base runners. And I think he's probably going to be batting seven or eight, uh, probably seven with our C at eight. Um, so I can see I can see some good things from him. But I mean, Molina, Ramos, Posey, and for me, Cervelli are all safe bets. Yeah, and, I was just going to say though, that group for me is the roster roster fillers. The guys yeah. that you, you know, realistically probably want to try to target if you, you know, want to build the high-end talent elsewhere. You can get those guys a little bit later. And I already said, like, I, I'm a Yachty guy. He usually plays 110, 120 games guaranteed, which at the catcher position is is a tough, you know, lock to get north of 120. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are the guys I like to look at at catchers. I mean, for me, there's some young guys creeping into that that kind of target range um and it's really you know the next year down but i mean grandal i've never been a grandal fan um you know i think him getting to milwaukee could be beneficial you might see some home run numbers there for him um he's probably going to hit the back of the train which you know could be real valuable uh i don't know that you know arcia hitting behind him is going to be of any value to him but, oh, if he is seven, yeah, you're right, Ty. If he is seven, that's not a great spot for him for runs, but he could get a, a decent pop for RBIs with the the big bats that hopefully are on second and third when he comes up. Well, and I think the reality too, if he if he's in the back of the train in front of RCL, like he's going to be swinging for the fences a little bit more, right? Like Good you point. know, yep. you know, slugging is what he's going to target. Which, you know, again, if you're in a category league, catchers are really only going to help you in counting stats and then you might have one or two of the guys tap into on base and, and batting average right so um you know once you get past those first handful of guys it, it's really about picking the category that you need help in more so than picking a guy that's going to multi-category because you know 
beyond that, there's there's only a couple flyers that even remotely give you a shot at multi-category advantage, right? And we're talking about guys like Francisco Maya in San Diego, who is fighting for a job with with Austin Hedges. I think, you know, from a fantasy value position, Maya is the obvious guy. It's just a matter of whether he can stick at a position. He's hitting over 400 in the spring, which spring numbers take him for what they are. Um, you know, but Austin Hedge is a little more known for his defense with maybe some peaks and valleys. So I, I, for me, you, you've got Hedge is a touch higher than, than I do. I actually, in a dynasty format, would probably have Maya up in the Grandal territory uh, in that, that second tier model. Um, and, and that's just because he has the upside. Like he could very well be the best hitting catcher in baseball within the next two or three years. So, you know, from a dynasty perspective, there's only a handful of catchers that even remotely pique your interest long-term. So, you know, Maya is one of those guys. So I, I have him a little higher than Rob does, but, uh, you know, that's, I just like what I've seen so far from him. Yeah, he's 23 years old. Um, so just for anybody who's trying to look up Maya, it's Mejia. Um, <clears throat> tie in your pronunciation. You're going to bust my balls when you're calling Jonathan Scopes Shoop or whatever you called him earlier? Yeah, Shoop, baby. Shoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, anything that has a J in it, I'm just guessing. You're out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so as, like as you were saying, Ty, it's hard to find a guy you want to, like I, I don't see anybody I'd want to reach for at the catching position. Um, even when we go like further back into my list and work our way up as far as like just anyone you might want to note in the dynasty format, like we are legit talking about guys without 200 uh, MLB ABs and some without any, like Dalton Verschau is my number 25 guy. Um, you will see further back that I have Carson Kelly, who's two years older than him. And he's in the thirties for me because I just don't, I just don't know who the better catcher is going to be out of that. But as far as a guy who's had an opportunity um, with uh, in Kelly, I see Verishaw is having more potential upside long-term. And then, you know, Chance Cisco in Baltimore, some people are just saying, you know, he is absolutely an 18-month guy and they're going to start to look to replace him or next year they're going to get some crafty vet who's in with them. But you know what? We got to see what what's going on. And the acquisition cost is not going to be steep. Like, I can't imagine any offer for me of a worthwhile position player elsewhere um, netting me a catcher that I'm excited about. So I think if, if you can just get these guys as throw-ins and trades and they don't hurt your roster, that's where you want to go. Danny Jansen in Toronto. Um, I'm not sold on Danny Jansen as anything other than a guy who's getting a shot this year. He's going silly in some drafts, a lot of redraft, but I saw in, in a dynasty, I've seen in auction formats where people are paying for him as if he's like a top five, six catcher. And like, why? Like, you know, it's well, one thing to see improvement, but he hasn't had that second year to show everybody he can sustain what he's done. The only thing for me that I like about Danny Jansen, you know, again, we talk about Toronto guys a lot and, uh, you know, we watch a lot of their games. But for me, what I noticed about Jansen is patience. Um, you know, you don't see a ton of rookies come up and have play discipline. And, and that's what I saw. I mean, I think he made a couple really good adjustments after a couple rough weeks to kick off his career um but but i saw him steady his hand towards the back half of the season there and so I, i'm excited to see the second year uh but to your point i'm it's not a lock yeah like i'm i'm not i'm not gonna reach for him and and i've seen i've seen guys go like silly early in drafts 
And I think it's because people are like, well, I need a catcher. And if that's the case, like go for somebody who is in their early 30s and has a contract because there are some some solid catchers who are 30 to 33 who don't have contracts or who keep like Lucroy, they get the one-year deals. And and it makes sense why Lucroy is not the same guy that he was before. There is not certainty in his in his like life year to year. He's not able to just lock in a three-year deal like you know 15 years ago the catchers of his age were able to do. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to touch on when you talked about Jansen having an improved eye, do you not think it's the dumbest thing ever, Ty? Should catchers not always lead the league in walks? Like they see the ball when they're crouched watching it come towards them. How in the hell is it that when they get to the plate – it's like they become silly oafs who are, oh, swing it, ball, miss, you know, and it's, it's a foot outside. Like, why is it that, that I, and I bet you it's true, catchers have the highest K percentage of any position in baseball. I See, I, th- I think it's for a very different reason than what you think, though. Um, you know, the reality is people look at it and say, oh, they have bad plate discipline. And I agree, they should, in theory, have the ability to, to pick out what the pitch call is. So two things to keep in mind. One, when they're catching the ball, they are calling the pitch. So uh, we've all seen a catcher get crossed up. So think about that. If they can't react to the one that they know the pitcher's release point, can they react to somebody that, you know, they don't catch every day? So that's the first part. Second part is, you know, we we talked about injuries in other episodes about um, lower half injuries really impacting the swing. Well, the catchers are constantly crouching. And so, you know, you're definitely killing – some of their strength in their bottom half having them crouch throughout the game so that's an important thing to keep in mind too is that and it's a big reason why catchers don't carry enough value like i think if you were to take pretty much everybody in our top 30 uh they were a superstar at some point in their lifetime right and it wasn't until they got to the upper levels of pro ball that you know defense started to be way more important um and and they just started to slide a little bit and the quality of their, their at-bats. So, you know, I think those things are, are important to keep in mind. But when it comes to drafting some of these, these younger guys, though, like this is, the, this is the ultimate question in a dynasty format. You know, are you going Rob's route, which is draft an old guy, and when he retires, trade for another old guy, and kind of repeat that cycle? For me, I, I'd rather try to go find a Wilson Contreras or, you know, Mejia. See, I did it right that time. Yeah. Uh, or Danny Jansen. Like, I mean, uh, those three guys for me, depending on the acquisition cost, are are safe bets to be guys that become old guys, right? So in a dynasty format, you know, injuries are injuries. They're going to happen. Careers are going to end. Lot, lots of that stuff. You can't predict that stuff, though. But in terms of drafting young guys, there's certain guys you just know are going to be around. And so for me, those three guys are in that category. But then you look at a guy like Jorge Alfaro, who is – definitely going to be a reasonable catcher and then a guy that kind of came up out of nowhere last year chance cisco uh who obviously flamed out you know those are the guys to be wary of and it's just a matter of trying to find the guy that's that's good on both sides and and ride him out a little bit so you know you touched on dalton varsho in arizona that's that's a good example of a guy that i'm not touching because you know there's already discussions that he's not going to stick at catcher and he's probably going to move to second because it sounds like he's pretty fast. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm out on Varsho. I, I like Andy Yerzy, good old Canadian boy. Um, he, he seems to be the guy of the future. I won't rule out Carson Kelly just yet, but 
uh, I'd be looking at your Z if you're in deeper leagues and you want to grab somebody in the lower levels that probably uh, will, will end up as a pro ball player at some point. Well, and a good thing too to point out with us is like Jan Gomes, who's now in Washington. Uh, he's my 15. He's 31 years old. When he was 23, 24, something like that, I think he broke in and he was kind of a struggling catcher with, with the Jays. And then he was a one-for-one trade with Cleveland. And oh, I, was that who? Yeah, yeah. Because oh. then they they traded him, and yeah, that was part of a, a the John thing. Farrell trade garbage. That's right. There we oh. go. Okay, yeah. I was trying to think of what what happened with it. So anywho, yeah. So and then Gomes Gomes has since developed into uh, just a, a catcher, and like not a league average catcher. Just a, he's a catcher. He he has a cannon though. Right. Yeah. He's a defense, a defense first catcher. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that he, he was one of the rare guys who got a multi-year contract from Cleveland. And I remember when it happened thinking like, why don't all teams do that with guys? And like, I, I mean, we know why, like the players won't take those deals when they sell arbitration years and things like that. But like, I think it was five year, 25 million or something like this. And I feel like this is the last year of it. And that's the, you know, the, with the trade to Washington, but then you see a Kurt Suzuki who's on the other side of that. And, and Suzuki almost resurrected his career three years ago, two years ago in Atlanta. Um, him and Flowers both were able to resurrect their careers because they were splitting time. And I thought that's one of the most interesting things is if you are a catcher and you catch really well with three SPs and you're the backup catcher, so to speak, and you catch really well with two, that's probably the best setup for you. Because yeah. then you can concentrate a lot more on both sides of the ball instead of just figuring out your pitching staff and having to deal with all these extra things. And that might be part of it for catchers is, they're playing both sides of the ball intently. Um, but regardless of it, for me, um, I know we discussed that we would, we would try to cut out a lot of the crap in the episode. So I'm just going to list off our flyers and then anybody that we want to talk about from there, from well, those just flyers. Just before we jump in there, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 we should note Salvi Perez is, mm. is in this cat group as well. And you know he'd definitely be in that Grandel, Molina, Ramos category of safe bets. Uh, obviously, he's out for the year, so... You know, it's worth noting if you're in a startup league, uh, grabbing him late, it could be of huge value. And then you might want to go with a guy like, you know, Robinson Torinos, who, you know, is going to get some cuts in Houston this year. So he could win a real, real significant position, kind of in that, um, you know, Grandal territory that we're talking about in Milwaukee. Like, Torinos could be on the back half of, um, you know, that Houston lineup, which is really strong. And ultimately, He's going to rake every time he plays Toronto for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, so, you know, ultimately, there's the, for me, Torino's might be a, a really good sleeper pickup if you're, if you're hurting. Like, if you own Salvador Perez right now, uh, you could probably go grab Torino's for pretty cheap from somebody. Um, and he's got some upside this year. Yeah, and, and I guess the only other guy to mention before we get into kind of the flyer one-off guys is Dynasty format, Mike Zanino. He's been the bane of several team owners' existence. Um, number three pick, so he would have been... Now, think about this, everybody who went hard at Joey Bart this year. Mike Zanino was also the number three pick, and Mike Zanino was supposed to be a power, defense, amazing catcher, going to be a career catcher. He's now 28. He's on his second team. And he went up and down with Seattle and could not stick. Very similar to um, my good friend, J.P. Aaron Sebia, who just could not make the transition to both sides of the ball. Uh, he was killing it in AAA. Everybody forgets that was with Las Vegas, where the ball was flying out of the park and then was not able to become a full-time catcher with Toronto. Uh, and Zanino's got the defense 
to keep him around. But at the same time, like you had said, Ty, he's going to help you in a couple counting categories and that's it. He also does some serious damage to your uh, average and to your Ks. So he's our number 10 guy. For me, he's my number 10. 11 is Perez. And like Ty had said, you know, um, like... I like a lot of guys over Zanino, but but to your point, though, he's going to play. And and he's going to be... You know, realistically, in that Tampa roster, when you really look at it, like it, it's an okay roster. Their strength is their pitching. I mean, but he might find himself five or six, and so if that's the case, like he he could have some extra value just because he's going to have you know different things to look at versus where he was in the Seattle lineup. So, you know, that's an it, it, depending on where he falls in the lineup, that's going to probably determine where Zanino falls in the grand scheme of things. That's you know that's an interesting thing to consider. Um, you know, and on the Joey Bart kind of level, you know, you mentioned Zanino. I mean, the thing for Joey Bart, he's in a better hitters park. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of what nipped Zanino too, right? He went to Seattle, had a big ballpark. Bart's in the same situation. And so for me, that's a big thing. I, I don't draft a lot of guys in San Francisco because, you know, very few Barry Bonds are – out there where they can smack baseballs out even into the wind coming off the bay. Yeah. And, and for other flyer type catchers, um, like at 55, this is the one guy who a lot of people are going to say, what in the hell are you talking about? And that's fine. He's 55 is Hagen Danner. Who's um, in Toronto system. He is only 20 years old. He's the youngest guy on this list. He also has been pitching. So it's a very interesting, you know, throw out last pick in you know your 20 or your 40 round um dynasty uh then i'm sean murphy of of oakland who might be able to come up and steal the job this year i I feel like oakland's got three legit mlb um or well maybe not legit but three three legit mlb catchers and they're only going to be taking two and he would be the triple a guy who could get a call up Grayson Grenier of Detroit, uh, he should be in this year. He's 26 years old. Time is now. Kyber Ruiz uh, with the Dodgers. Seems like in having Grendahl go out and Austin Barnes not be this stellar out-of-nowhere guy that he was a couple years ago, that the table is set for Kyber to work his way up and maybe LA is not going to go out and pounce on. I don't even know who they go and pounce on. Um, they didn't get Real Muto, so maybe, maybe he's got an opportunity. Uh, Victor Carantini in Chicago. I know we've got Contreras there. Uh, Carantini also has first base eligibility basically across the board. He's 25. Let's just see what happens. This is a number 44 right catcher. I do have Joey Bard at 36, and he has yet to, I, I believe, even receive a ball at double A, and he's 36. So it tells you how difficult the, or sorry, how, how simplistic it is to climb up the depth chart in Dynasty for catcher. Uh, Omar Navarro is from Seattle. He's he's here because he's now got opportunity um, in Chicago. He was behind uh, behind the beef, and uh, that wasn't necessarily a blocking him or anything. But this is now giving him you know uh, the possibility for 120 games this year. And then Isaiah Keener Fali or Falala or Fa, not going to be catching very long. Yeah, he's got uh, three position eligibility at catcher, second and third base. He's very young at 24, so I can just see him being somebody that's good to have on a deep format. And somebody who, why not? You know, it's not like a catcher is going to kill you, and you certainly need to have one on your roster. Absolutely. I mean, for me, Omar Navre is is the guy in this group that I'm paying attention to. I watched him pretty closely in Chicago last year. His numbers were solid, you know, good at bats. 
the the home runs aren't going to be there in the way they were last year. A little bit of pop. You might be able to sneak some some sneaky OPS out of Nervé, but you know this for me is a guy that could jump the board a little bit. Definitely find himself in the top fifteen um, if if he can manage to put in a good full season the way he finished last year. Um, you know the the home run numbers I think were a little bit of a mirage last season, but you know ultimately possible that he could continue it. And he's it, he's definitely going to get a shot in Seattle. There's nobody else really in his way. Uh, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see what you get out of him because he kind of came on out of nowhere last year to win over some at-bats and, you know, think he could probably carry that forward into this season. Well, it was all thanks to uh, Beef Wellington, um, Juicin, that created the opportunity for him to see some regular at-bats. And, like, even the trade with Chicago, like, it was all around the same time that that uh, Seattle Mets trade was going down and Zanino was out to Tampa and, you know, Alex Colomay, who I own in a lot of places because he just gets the job done, whether it saves or holds. He's just a, a good professional relief pitcher, who, which we'll discuss in our next episode. Um, but to get a one for one with him, I, I had to like stop and like have a look like, what is it that Seattle's getting? Like, the, there's no one coming down the pipeline in Seattle that's going to, you know, be there in 18 months to move in. So, like that was Zanino. Zanino was the guy there. So, you know, Navarez is clearly going to be getting first crack at everything. And and maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they think, okay, well, he's got power, so he'll be able to put the ball in play more in Seattle. They won't necessarily be the home runs, but they could be doubles. They could be, you know, balls out to the wall. The, the- I, I think this is a sneaky pickup. I think, yeah. I think that, you know, they looked at, at the scenario and said, you know what, this, this is a guy we can get for, for cheap. Um, and, and I think they're pretty happy having him on the roster. And based on what I saw of him last year, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think very, very underrated. Like this is a guy that, you know, if I've got a risky guy, you know, a la Chance Cisco, I might double down with an Omar Narve until one of them kind of wins it. And then I'm going to drop him for, you know, the reliever that I trade for. So, you know, ultimately, that's kind of a scenario that that I like Narve as a, as a guy um, that that could really be a cheap acquisition um, and and ultimately a nice pickup. Yeah, anything I think below a, a twenty team league, he's probably sitting out there on waivers because everybody's going to take some other wily vet, and a lot of people probably just discount Seattle. Um, so yeah, I think that is definitely too much time we've spent talking about catchers. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, I think wrapping that up. Something we're working on um, in in the back end is really trying to find a way to keep you guys in the loop. You know, uh, as as the spring starts to wind down, you know, we're putting together how we're going to be evaluating players throughout the year. So, uh, you know, we've really started to put together a, a stock system, and so we're not going to quite be Mad Mike, but uh, you know, working off of a general stock model uh, is is kind of where where we're heading, and. You know, we're going to be talking about guys you need to sell, guys that you should be holding and buying. And when, when those are kind of happening throughout the season, um, keeping you guys on your on your toes. So hit us up on Dinger's Pod with your questions, who you think we need to be uh, evaluating for you. Uh, and we'll tell you why you need to either be buying hard or, or selling. So, uh, you know, it's it's a great opportunity to put your your ideas in front of two people that couldn't disagree on more fantasy players so uh we'll give you two very, agree with that yeah two very <laughs> strong 
two very strong opinions about, you know, what you need to be doing. Um, and, and odds are we, we are both going to be right in our own mind. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely leave you with some thoughts. So that's coming in, in future, uh, episodes and definitely over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash dingers pod. And, you know, we're definitely going to be adding some content there throughout the week. Um, check in for our, for our live updates on, on what's going on, on a, on a regular basis. So that is going to wrap up our episode of catchers. And, um, you know, just, just because I'm a big major league fan, uh, you know, give him the heater, Ricky, throw down the number one and we'll see you next episode. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, Dingers. Let's go.
draft choices in the 800s or in the 1200s and will eventually come up like Lou Trevino. Was it Lou? Yeah, Lou Trevino came out of nowhere last year. Ottavino is a guy who I think he's going to end up getting overvalued because he had some year, but he's going to get buried. So he's at best a hold guy for you, which is you know tough. Then you got you know Boxberger, who's a legit closer, but is going to be on potentially a 60-75 win team at best. Kelvin Herrera. There are a lot of guys that we get to talk about in the next episode that will make it up, and that's where we're going to talk more about how they help you as part of the bullpen rather than the closer guys, the guys that are going to lead for you. So if you ended off this episode and you said, well, I didn't hear anybody that I have on my team. Well, you done screwed up son. (laughs) And we're going to help you to fix that next episode by finding some guys that are going to make that big ball of crap you've got right now, turn into a winning lineup. That's right. And uh, we will see you next time on another episode of dingers. Do, 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 do. Awesome.